is a to-be-continued episode. Right. So if you're coming to this one and you haven't watched the last one, then you might want to go watch that one first because we're setting the stage for this one. Yeah, we were talking about some of the history, some of the early days uh, when I joined David Wilkerson in 1970, 1st of January 1970. Traveled with him for 10 and a half years. Mm -hmm. It was actually in 76, uh, Brother Dave came to go one day because our ministry was almost exclusively to young people. Now in, in the youth crusades, which oftentimes there were you know, thousands of people, could anywhere from three, four to 10, 12,000 people a night in these mm -hmm. big auditoriums. Mostly youth, there were parents, there were older people too, but I mean, especially like when we go to California, man, it was just all the hippies, all the druggies, all the street people. Uh, it was such a great opportunity. So that was kind of the, uh, the context of the ministry. So because we were, so youth-oriented, one day at 76, Brother Dave said, you know, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be a good idea to maybe have a band? Because kids listen to bands. I had just been a solo artist with the guitar, and that was working well, but somehow it had occurred to him, which I give him credit for, because he really wasn't into music that much, a lot of music, especially more rocky type mm -hmm. he didn't even like. Mm -hmm. But we were doing a lot of ministry. Uh, we had done some ministry right before that on the beaches in Florida during spring break, and I think that's what kind of got him thinking about, these kids listen to bands, they listen to music, what if we put a band together? So that's when and why we put together Dallas Home and Praise, which was in 1976. Um, Tim and LaDonna Johnson, Randy Adams, uh, Randy played bass, Tim played piano, LaDonna played keyboards. They both sang, so we had three-part harmony. Then I think within the first year we added a drummer, Rick Norris. Mm -hmm. And that started in 1976, kind of in the middle of the time I was with, with David Wilkerson. One of the things that happened, we, uh, probably in the late 70s began to, well, we, we did in 76, November 76, we did the live album in the Lindale, yeah. the old Lindale High School. A yeah. few hundred people, uh, happened to be a song on the album called Rise Again. Uh, live albums weren't selling that well. Uh, side two, number four, was the worst place you could put a song, which is I think where Rise Again was. We spent a whopping, as I recall, maybe $5,000 making the album, which was, mm -hmm. you couldn't even walk <laughs> in the door of a studio for $5,000. Yeah. We kind of did everything wrong. We didn't know anything. We just knew that, well, we'd only been together six weeks at that time. We did this live concert because <laughs> we needed to get an album and have some music out there or something to give to the people, sell to the people, you know, as a product. Well, Rise Again just <laughs> caught on. Yeah. Rise Again just, I mean, nobody had any idea the impact that song would have, how the Lord would use that. So suddenly Dallas Home and Praise went from you know, relative obscurity to, uh, and I say this carefully, but I mean, it's just the fact. Rise Again was number one in every Southern Gospel, middle of the road, contemporary, every kind of chart they had in Christian mm -hmm. music, Rise Again was the number one song. Mm -hmm. It was just God. He just took that song. It's a simple song. It's one of the simplest songs I've ever written. There's nothing complex. It's musically simple, but it's the message of the gospel. And God just said, I'm going to use this. You, you write it. And, uh, you know, when I say you write it, you know, I, I never have said God gave me this song. I think God gives abilities. One of the things I can do is write music. There's a ton of things I can't do. I don't have the ability. Man, I wish I did, but I just don't. But that's something God has given me to do. So I never have a problem saying, I wrote this song. 
I think it delights the Lord to see how we respond to that which he's given us and we take the initiative to do it. I, I've often likened it to, we teach our kids, you know, we say, hey, you need to make clean up your room, make the bed. And they don't do it. We tell them again, make the bed, clean up your room, they don't do it. One day we walk by and we do a double take, we look in, the bed's made, and they've cleaned up the room. Oh, that brings such joy to our heart. They've, they've heard, they've responded. It's much more satisfying that they've taken that which we've given them and now they've obeyed and they've yeah. done it. Oh, I liken that to songwriting. Now, having said that, that I've written maybe, I don't know, 300 songs or something like that, but there are probably three songs I'd pick out of that, Rise Again being the first, that I don't feel comfortable saying, oh yeah, I wrote Rise Again. Mm -hmm. Because I remember when, when I took the pencil on the yellow pad after much prayer, I didn't hear a voice out of heaven or any thunderclaps, but it was like taking dictation. Go ahead, drive the nails in my hands. Laugh at me where you stand, because I'll rise again. Ten minutes, it was there. I don't write songs like that. Mm -hmm. There was a sense of, this didn't come out of my head. And I've often yeah. said, God wrote the song, I just delivered the message. So God had a plan. He used it. It just all of a sudden, it literally opened the doors on an international level. That yeah. song went all over the world. All that to say... One of the earlier concerts we did in a really large venue was uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, which I see you have a, you yeah. showed me that just before we went on. It's like, oh man, yeah. I remember that concert. Six Flags Over Texas. I remember it too. There were three groups. It was the first, what they called Christian Family Day. Uh, it was uh, First Baptist Church of Euless. Uh, pastor uh, Draper was the pastor. Mm -hmm. And he had this idea, probably he and some others, what if we, is there a way we could get the park, the amusement park, and just have it a Christian theme, have Christian concerts? Yeah. So Six Flags said, yeah, let's give it a try. So this was the, actually the very first Christian Family Day anywhere. Is Dallas Home and Praise, Truth, and the Imperials. I always yeah. remember, um, I hope I won't embarrass anybody, but so Rise Again is... It's just getting played on the radio station all the time. It's the biggest song happening out there, thanks to the Lord. So we're the we're the last group. I think the Imperials went on first, or maybe they went on earlier. I can't remember how it was laid out, but I remember the group Truth, Roger Breland and Truth. And I think they're from the Alabama area. And it was a group that had a group of uh, vocalists, uh, brass section, rhythm section, really, really good musicians. One of these things where you could go audition. If you got accepted, then you were going to tour with Truth for the summer, maybe for a year. Mm -hmm. Tons of great singers, musicians have come through through truth. So they were going on before us. They did their songs. They probably did, I don't know, 45 minutes or something. And so their last song, we're getting ready to come out, their last song, they did Rise Again. Oh. And, and I think it was our sound man who had actually worked with truth. It just went all over him. It's like, I can't <laughs> believe they're doing that. That's your song. That's, That's the big song. They're singing truth right before. And, and I, I remember, and I was sincere, I said, it's great. <laughs> I said, I'm just loving hearing someone else. It was one of the first times, it may be the first time I heard someone else do, yeah. you know, my song. So I'm loving it, but I did realize, <laughs> yeah, if I was going out before, I don't know, yeah. Stephen Elvis. Curtis, yeah. G.I., Elvis, I'm not going to sing Hound Dog right, right. Here, right now, here's Elvis, you know. <laughs> It, 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 as I reflect, <laughs> as I reflect on it, it was like, wow, how did they come to the decision to do that right before? Yeah, but that's, but that's what I remember about that that concert. One of the things yeah. I remember, it was a kind of an outdoor amphitheater, absolutely packed up. Christian Fam Family Day actually got to be 
They did it for several years, local churches, First Baptist Euless in particular, and then, uh, and it was the biggest day of the year, the biggest day that Six Flags, in fact, they finally got to where they had to cut it off, say, look, we can only let, I don't remember what the numbers is, we'll say 30,000 people in the park, we can't take any more yeah. than that, that was Christian Family Day. Uh, Six Flags finally took it over themselves, mm-hmm. I think, and kind of bumped the church out of it. I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly how that happened, but I know that First Baptist and those that had actually started it were kind of uh, pushed aside yeah. a little bit. So you did do it for a few more years. We did. There were several. We did another one after. I think we did this one is what seventy eight. March thirty first, nineteen seventy eight. Yeah. And then I think the next year, I don't think. Well, we might have done the one next year because I remember Ladonna who sang with us. That was one of the last concerts she did with us because she was pregnant with their first mm-hmm. child, Caleb. And, of course, that was a great loss. She's a phenomenal singer. She Really, she made us all mm-hmm. sound and look better mm-hmm. than we were. And we realized that this was going to be one of the last times she yeah. was great with child, as they say. Yeah. So I remember that about the second time we were there. The other thing I remember, kind of a transition, if you've been watching these podcasts, you've already seen some with my friend Keith Irwin. We did a series of four on yeah. discipleship. And I think in the very first one, Keith shared kind of how... He and I got to know each other. We've been friends for 20-some years. And he's a, a tremendous discipler of men. That's his passion is to d- disciple men. Mm-hmm. Well, he was in the Navy. And as I recall, I think maybe he was either on leave, maybe he finished boot camp. I, I can't remember exactly. He was a new Christian. He became a Christian in 1977, just a year before this. Eventually was deployed on the USS Nimitz. But he and some other guys came to this concert and that was the first Christian concert he'd been to. That was the first mm-hmm. he ever heard of Dallas Home and Praise. Well, he bought two cassettes. And then when he went on the ship, the Nimitz, he had a group of guys he put together. I think he said the bass player didn't even know really how to play bass. Keith just kind of showed him, press this, pick this. <laughs> and, Hold your hand real weird. Right. Okay, you're good. And they, they got the commanding officer to sign off on, okay, you guys can get together in one of the hangar bays and... He kind of said, you know, nobody's going to show up, but go ahead, do what you want. Well, several hundred men showed up. They ministered with, with my music mostly, and Keith shared. And I think if I remember the number, it was like 52, 50-some wow. men came to the That's Lord. Sweet. And then they did that. Uh, then they had an ongoing thing. They had to keep moving to bigger venues on the ship because more and more people would come. Mm-hmm. But that all started from that yeah. concert that we did, Six Flags, that Keith attended. And I, I know we mm-hmm. talked about that in one of the podcasts. So when you showed me that, in fact, Keith was in the building here, yeah. our office, just when I was looking at that. I said, oh, Keith, come here, look at this. He just laughed. He said, oh, yeah, I was there, bought two cassettes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> So, yeah, I remember life. that well. Yeah. Well, that was 1978. About 1981, is that when the band went a different way? Is that, is that about well, the actually, right timing? Ni- no, 1980 is 80. when we left uh, David Wilkerson. Oh, okay. Uh, Brother Dave, the crusade oh, yeah. ministry was starting to kind of wind down, not just his, but crusade style ministry in general. Things, you know, things happen for a season of time, a certain mm-hmm. way of doing things, and then something else comes along. And that kind of that pattern of that template of crusade style ministry was just not working as well. I don't really know why. I don't think we knew why at the time. But it had kind of run its course at the same time that his crusade ministry was sort of scaling down Dallas Home and Praise, our ministry when we would go out was just increasing. Mm -hmm. You know, more and more people were coming to the concerts and listening to our music and buying our records and whatever. So uh, Brother Dave called me into his office in, uh, it was July of 1980, and and he was frustrated. He didn't say it at the time, but conversation afterwards, 
you know, he, he basically said, look, we're going to go back to where we started, just you and me. We don't need the band. We don't, he had some other things. You know, he, he built this thing up, kind of created the monster, as they say, and now all of a sudden as the crusade ministry is going down, we, we can't keep facilitating yeah. all this. And I just told him, I said, well, Brother Dave, I, I you know, and he, he made me the offer. You can either stay here or if you feel like you go out on your own. And I came back the next day and had prayed about it, talked with Linda about it, my wife. And I just felt like God seems to be blessing our ministry. And I feel like it's time that we go out and do what we do and yeah. what he's called us to do. And he, he didn't take that well. I mean, I, he, he took it because we had... It became more so later on in life, but we had very much a father-son relationship. Yes, he was a boss and I was an employee, but it was more than that. Uh, he respected what I did. I certainly respected what he did. We ministered together. We mm -hmm. traveled together. Even on rare occasions, we shared a motel room together. I mean, we, we had we were on the bus together traveling. You know, mm -hmm. we had a relationship. Uh, uh, your mom, my wife Linda, and his wife Gwen were best yeah. friends. They did things. And so it was a family thing, and it was a father-son. So when I suddenly said, I think it's time for me to leave, That's that right. was hard for him. Mm -hmm. Because he kind of felt like, almost like I was not committed or, um, you know. But later on, as we talked about that some years later, he said, Dallas, I was just so frustrated. Because he said, I do, the crusade thing was kind of over. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. I didn't know where, I, and eventually went back to New York, which was, that's that's who yeah. Dave Wilkerson was. That's yeah. his niche. Uh, started the Times Square Church down the Times mm -hmm. Square. He had wonderful ministry there for years. The church still goes on. Tremendous church. Yeah. Uh, Carter Conlon, I think, is the, well, I think. Yeah, I think somebody. I think, uh, boy, what's his name? Delina. Oh, Tim. Is there, I think Tim Delina's there. Hmm. Which is interesting. Okay. Sidebar issue. So when, Dave Wilkerson originally went to New York in 1958 to work with the gangs to seek out this gang that had murdered a polio victim in the park. If you know that story, if you don't, you can look it up. But Crossing the Switchblade is the book. And then eventually the movie that came out chronicling that whole thing. When Brother Dave first went to New York, and he'd go down in these war zones, literal war zones, Little Korea, Spanish Harlem, uh, Bedford-Stuyvesant uh, in the Bronx, Harlem, you know. And he'd, he'd just start preaching on the street. Well, one day, police came by and they said, you can't do this. Why? I have, I have the right to. said, you have the right, but if you have a street meeting, you have to block off the street, you have to mm -hmm. get permission, and you have to put up an American flag. That was the deal. Well, the officer that happened to come by and give him that instruction was very high up, I think like in the top three, and I don't remember what his office or rank would be, but way, way up at the New York Police Department. Mm -hmm. His name was Paul Delina. Good old Italian New York cop. You know, just a great guy. Well, he eventually became one of Brother Dave's best friends, served on the board for yeah. years. So his son, Tim Delina, and I hope I got this right, I think is now either pastoring on pastoral staff at the Times Square Church in New York wow. that Brother Dave found. So That's it's neat. a really, really, mm -hmm. really neat thing because yeah. there's history there, family and all that. Uh, Paul died a number of years ago, but he, he was a character. He was a great guy. Had more stories, you can imagine, as being in the upper <laughs> yeah. echelon of New York Police Department back in the in day, as days. they say, when uh, the rules were different. So he, yeah. he, was, he was a great guy. But anyway, 1980, we went off on our own. We toured as Dallas Home and Praise for 11 years, from 19, 
1976, when we first started, the end of 1976, on into 1987. Uh, actually, the 4th of July, 1987, we did a concert yeah. over at GoFest, Youth with a Mission Base, which is near us, and that was our last concert that we did together. I think you had, I don't know if it was that year, but when you were a younger girl, our property where our house is is right at the mm-hmm. back gate of Youth with a Mission, and they had this festival for several years. They'd have groups like My Little Lefebvre, Broken Heart, The Newsboys, mm-hmm. Dallas Home and Praise, Second, Second Chapter of X, Randy Stonehill. I mean, really great lineup. But we're out in the middle of nowhere, so these cars that come up off the interstate from all over the country or from the Dallas area, <laughs> and the little bitty road that we're on right before you go in the back gate to go into Youth with a Mission and go to the festival, Jennifer set up this little, <laughs> the little entrepreneur had an idea yeah. that, you know, it was hot. It was in July. It was brutally hot. <laughs> Yeah. So she set up this little lemonade stand. It was called Homemade, H-O-L-M, Homemade mm-hmm. Lemonade. And, uh, yep, drew them right in. Right. <laughs> and every once in a while, someone will say, oh, I remember your daughter setting yeah. up that. Yeah, lemonade and chocolate chip cookies. Because, so you know, how, what how more old, do you need? How old would you have been? Oh, I, I was 13. That. I was going to say, I, th- I was thinking you were 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. And that. So, yeah, great memories. And yep. we, uh, that was our last concert, 4th of July. Actually, the... Uh, one of the things I remember is the week after that, uh, exactly one week after, and we can continue with this later because it's kind of winding up here, but we did that concert 4th of July. One week later, Linda went in for biopsy, and we discovered she had cancer. And, and that obviously that was devastating. But again, hindsight, this so often is a pattern in God's working with us, uh, some of the old writers used to call it the death of a vision, uh, birth of a vision, death of a vision. Sometimes right when you've had your greatest victory or greatest attainment comes your greatest challenge. And God does that. It's all for the purpose of building character, building strength, strengthening our faith. So we went from 11 years of touring as you know one of the top groups in Christian music to your wife's got cancer and you don't have a band anymore. Now you're going to be on your own. And we really did feel on our own. I didn't know what the future held at that point. What, what do I do without, I've toured now, you know, the crowds aren't quite the same. And we, we could see that what we had been doing was changing. Because yeah. now there's so many artists. I mean, back then there were really just a handful of artists that toured at that level. Uh, now all of a sudden there's dozens and dozens of artists and the slices of the pie are getting thinner, as they say. And so things, as Bob Dylan wrote so eloquently, the times they were a changing, and we knew that. But uh, the story continued. God's been faithful. We're still ministering here, podcasts <laughs> yeah. to uh, literally dozens of people. No, there's lots of people that <laughs> listen to Just it. Just different seasons. It, yeah, and, and who I, I've said for years, and I really been. I don't care what ministry looks like. Yeah. Music has never been my ministry. Music is a tool by which I've had the privilege to minister, but it's not my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there are actually things, maybe one or two things that I do better than the music. And I'm doing some of those things now, some of the teaching, some of the writing. But music has given me the platform. Music has, in a sense, established the platform from which now I can minister to people who have walked this journey with us. Which, by the way, thank you so much for those of you out here. We've we've got longtime friends, people that support our ministry. We see their letters, we read them. Uh, people send in some for years and years, just donations, some little, some larger. But here we are. We're here. We are. <laughs> we're we're still going, and we will continue to go. Though we're going to end right now. 
but yeah. we'll be back next time for another podcast. Here we are with my daughter Jennifer, myself Dallas. Thank you. Bye.